1: Hello, and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Brecky. Along with me today, we have Harrison Starr, a.k.a. Boilerhawk. Harrison, how are you doing?
0: For uh, Saturday evening after an, a devastating Iowa loss, I'm doing all right, Max. How about you? <laughs> um,
1: Cubs won today, Bears won today. Today was a good day. Yesterday, most certainly was not. So, we are going to do podcast a little bit differently this week. Uh, Iowa doesn't have a game next week, so we don't need to preview anything where we will talk a little bit about the schedule moving forward. But we're going to talk a lot about this past game. We have a lot of stuff to say about the way that game went down. Uh, we're going to start with the negatives. So hopefully, um, if you don't want to hear anything negative about Iowa football right now, if you're not in a place where you can do that, turn this off. Wait until you are in a better spot. But we will dive into some positives. So there was a lot of pos- There were some positives that we took away from this game, particularly on offense. Uh, but so we will talk negatives. We will talk some positives. And yeah, I think that this should be an really interesting discussion. This is more of a therapy session than anything for maybe both of us, maybe you guys too, listening to you know what we have to say. And maybe it'll just make you feel worse. I I don't really know, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best to kind of. Talk about what happened against Wisconsin and where things go from here. So, Harrison, what do you uh? Do you want to talk about play calling first? Because I think play calling is the thing everybody is most angry about. That or special teams. I think we should start with. Uh, let's start with play calling. I think yeah, that, I think that people are pretty upset with the way that that game was coached.
0: Yeah, I think play calling's the place to start, um, because really, you you look at the two teams and the two coaching staffs and Paul Christ I think if he's coaching this Iowa team I think Iowa wins that game going away I don't think it's ever close Um, just because I think the talent disparity was there which is what makes this loss so frustrating Um, it was right there for the taking and we'll get into it a little bit later Um, but the play calling Um, there were some good plays there were some good drives but, Maybe. Against, <laughs> <fair enough>. uh, <laughs> but against a team like Wisconsin, you have to be perfect. You just have to. Um, or you have to force them into a bunch of um, failures uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and uh, Iowa did what they did, but they didn't turn them over at all. Uh, and really kind of the, the two concerns I had in terms of uh, play calling was red zone offense. And half of the plays went for zero yards or negative yards inside the red zone. Excuse me. Four out of nine plays. So, roughly half. Um, and, and that's just something that you can't do. Iowa's an offense that always struggles when you're, um, you know, just they're, they're going to struggle if they're behind the chains. And oh, it, of course. And it's magnified when you're in the red zone. So... To have just weird play calls that aren't going to work because I, I hate doing the, the screenshot uh, stuff. But you look at that toss play to, to I think it was Kelly Martin, um, that Connolly blew up. Great play. Mm, on the goal line, yeah. But it's, there, there's nowhere for him to go. It, it's going to be a race to the pylon um, with another person if Connolly doesn't make that tackle and that's a 50-50 shot and to say nothing of the the QB sneak i mean that QB sneak
1: yeah that's that was what started it that was an awful decision that cuz that was that wasn't even like 4th and in like inches that was like a long yard i think the eye was a little bit more than a yard away from uh the first down marker when they r- ran that play and against wisconsin who has a great interior defensive line um they have a great interior defense in general they've got tj edwards up the middle at linebacker they've got uh you know they've got great players on defense in particular but why why
0: why here's where it does make a little bit of sense and, and i get it is if they run to the line they're able to make that call right away So you're catching them off guard a little bit. Uh, If I recall correctly, it was uh, three or four, or excuse me, like a six or seven yard pass play that got them to that fourth and one. So it makes sense. They're in maybe their, their pass coverage package versus their run stopping package. So you can maybe catch them off guard there. But to have the timeout or review take place and then to come back and that's the best play you got. I mean, you have to do better than that. I'm... I'm fine if you go for it on fourth down. It sure. makes sense. It's setting the tone. It's, you know, you're at home. Get your team or you get your fans behind you. Um, but to make that play call, it, it's just, y- you can't do that. Take the points at the very least, but you can't run something low percentage.
1: No, you can't. And people are upset that they didn't take the points. And I, I loved the idea. I loved the decision to go for it. I thought it was a great decision. Um, you know, set the set the, uh, tone of the game. You know, let Wisconsin know that you aren't afraid of them, particularly after you put up 66 points against them last season. And a lot of these players are, you know, the same players. 66 yards, Max. Yeah, sorry. 60, <laughs> yeah, 66 points would have been fantastic. <laughs> Iowa hasn't put up 66 points in, I don't know, who knows. Anyway, um, yeah, they put up 66 yards last year. They put up more than that on their first drive of the game on Saturday. And you know, that's just the you know, that's just a tone setter when you go for it. That was an awful call. The three points doesn't you know, in hindsight, the three points doesn't win you the game anyway. Wisconsin still needed that touchdown, they still got the touchdown. If they had gone for the field goal and were successful, the score is still twenty one to twenty at the time that Wisconsin takes the lead in the fourth quarter. It um, changes
0: the but if we're gonna play out that hypothetical everything being equal, um it does make a difference with Brian's calculus on that last drive. You have potentially run game in your pocket um, with a minute left. You can maybe do something like that to try and catch him off guard, um, similar to what he did against Penn State. But it's it's a hypothetical. No sense getting into it. Sure. Um, but, it, yeah, just the, the way it is. And Stanley, God bless him, does a lot of things great, and we're going to get to that. He is not a QB sneaker. Mm-mm. No.
1: And Iowa's offensive line, they ended up... They Eventually, they started getting push on the Wisconsin defensive line, but they were not getting pushed like that early on in the game. They were getting some solid runs, but the push just hadn't really been there for the majority of
0: it. Right. And just it just frustrates me because that type of blocking, it's not... It's like it's still kind of like the zone type blocking. You block whoever you can. Um, it, it just it just doesn't open up lanes. And I always had trouble zone blocking all season, really, the last three or four years, just because they're so telegraphed. Um, which which kind of brings me to my next point: is the fourth quarter offense. And before we, before we get oh, there, sure. there's
1: I wanted to bring up one more play call that I, I just did not get um in particular and it was it was like third and six third and seven and they ran a jet sweep yeah and not only not only did they run a jet sweep they ran the jet sweep to the side of the field that had tj edwards that had van Ginkle on it you know like and and in the end van Ginkle and edwards blew that play up in the backfield i i just didn't really get that call either that's way too cute
0: yeah, I mean it's it's the type of thing where you're the way it was set up. It's not with. Uh, I hesitate to make this statement about Sergeant, but it's not with your most dynamic player. Like if that's with, um, Amir Kelly with Marset. Oh I, yeah. I like he had a end around go for quite yards. a bit yardage. Um, but it, just the way it was set up, there was it was designed so that the only way it would work was if it caught them off guard and it didn't, two guys were there Um, it it, it, it was almost the type of play where it's like it seemed like it was something where it was like a read for Stanley to make and he just decided to hand it off because it it was just yeah, I I, I hate that you brought it up because now I'm getting frustrated all over again
1: this is the therapy session in in progress, but uh, yeah, no, there were, there were no lead blockers on that particular play. Uh, there, you know, they did. I'll give them credit. They ran it to the. They didn't run it to the short side of the field. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll give them credit. That's you know a step in the right direction, I suppose. But man, yeah, that one was bad. But anyway, to the fourth quarter we go. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so the the thing that frustrated me a bit about the fourth quarter, um, obviously Stanley was not as good as he needed to be. Um, Two of eight by my count, um, not including that last play, uh, which shouldn't really count. Um, But the the thing that frustrated me was they went away from the run game. And, And to me, that was something that I thought, isn't this what we do? Um, the the thing that also frustrated me was the, the play to Hawkinson that Stanley should have connected on because that was a that was pretty a good play throw. call. Bad throw, pretty good play call. But why isn't Fant also on the roster or on the field there? And why don't you do it with, like, a play, play action to set it up to make it an even easier throw? Like, I just thought they should have run use some clock and then make it a harder game at the end at if if nothing else um so i, I actually felt like while they were trying to milk the clock they didn't execute a slightly over aggressive um kind of play calling
1: Oh, i completely agree that was a it was a fine play call the that play but
0: you know it's uh, mm. One the other the, the other one that bugged me the other one that bugged me was Kelly Martin had a six yard run something like up the middle between the guards and then they immediately go to the outside zone immediately and it loses four yards now you're at third and six and I, I think that was the play where they did convert it with uh, that easily little out route um, mm-hmm. and, and this was another kind of frustration I had is. If we're gonna give Brian credit for, oh man, this is something he learned in New England, yada yada yada. No, <laughs> Damien <laughs> right, Amendola. Uh, and I like I like Joel Cloud a lot. No, that was he was good. Um, but it, why isn't Iowa doing more of that throughout the whole game? Like, if he's if he's like picked up this thing that's like, ooh, this new scheme thing. Wh- why why are we seeing it once? maybe. I mean, there wasn't really many drag routes across the middle. Um, there was the one that was really the, the play that sealed it um, to ISM. Yeah. Um, but they're just they're not doing the stuff I thought they'd be doing with wide receivers um, from New England. They're incorporating the tight ends more. Um,
1: sure, but that's also just kind of a Ken O'Keefe thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's- so it's... I... It, I see them doing some different stuff. Uh, Hawkinson was lining up in the slot a bit. Fant mm-hmm. was out wide a couple times, especially around the goal line. I think they're doing some cool stuff there, but sometimes it's just too cute.
1: You know, it's, it's often incredibly cute, and it's not even like he called a fine game. Like I won't say he called a good game. Like he called in general a fine game. He called. Like, there were some real questionable things he did. That fourth and one, that jet sweep on third and medium to third and long. He ran... He called the exact same run played twice in a row because it worked the first time. Like, you know, he just... You know, he... When they needed it, when they needed a good play call, they didn't get one. And for that reason and that reason alone, you know, I can't say that he called a particularly good game. Because you can call, you know, anything from the, in between the twenties, you could call just about anything and it'll be fine. You know, unless you're just being an idiot, like in like a real bad play caller, but like, you can't like, once you get into the red zone or when you're, you know, inside your own 20, that's when you need to come up with some, you know, better play call so that you can get, you know, momentum moving, or you can finish that drive off. And when they needed him to, they generally didn't, you know, that fan uh, you know, that one drive aside where Fant caught the short touchdown pass.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really the only drive they put together um, with, I guess, the the field goal drive that ended on the end round. And really, this is kind of the... I think it was something that uh, Vint wrote um, a while ago, but this is the cognitive dissidence that you have as an Iowa fan, is we praise the bend-but-don't-break defense for yeah. just yielding yards and yards and yards but limiting points and that's fine that makes sense because the point is to have more points than the other team at the <sighs> end of the game that's i mean that's crazy right to me. um but <laughs> but on the opposite side is i will also build an offense that requires perfect execution so you're forcing defensively you're forcing the offense you're going against to execute As well as they can for as long as they can. And on offense, you're doing the exact same thing. You're building an offense around executing 10 to 12 yard drives or 12 play drives. And it's just, it's tough because, like, we like Kirk. This method works for uh, a lot of teams when you go against them. It brings you, uh, it closes the gap for superior athletic. Teams with superior athleticism, like Penn State, like Michigan, but mm-hmm. when it's a team where you are mono a mono and they're better at that game than you, you got to find other ways to do it. Um, and really, it was frustrating because that first half was horrible play calling. They got seven points by sheer brilliance of Nate Stanley <laughs> yeah, on that, that was deep throw. And that was yeah. incredible.
1: The way he but, directed traffic and everything—that was beautiful.
0: But there's only there's there's only so many times that Iowa can do that. And, and Nate Stanley made everyone—he saved everyone—that first half because my fear after Wisconsin went down and scored was that it was going to be like a 21-point game a half, and, and the worst version of um, that game that we saw uh, last year, where it's 38 to 14, but. Uh, you know the the 14 is uh, about as sad as it gets with two <laughs> defensive touchdowns
1: yeah and you brought up that people are you know they talk about the bend don't break and they praise it like everybody i've, I've seen a lot of people say i drove the ball in wisconsin they looked amazing they played better and for the most part they did they looked better than wisconsin for the majority of the game they looked more talented than wisconsin they looked like a better team in general. They looked like, like they had better players, but you know, you they scored seventeen points. You know, people want to praise Brian Farns for throwing up almost four hundred yards against the Badgers because. And you know, I'm, and if Jonah, when you have, when you inevitably listen to this, I'm not just talking about you. I'm not trying to pick on you, just for the record, <laughs> because we had this discussion yesterday in our group chat, and it was everybody against Jonah, but. You know, I've seen a lot of people saying it that you don't just put up yards like that against Wisconsin, but the thing is, is that they were letting Iowa, you know, do whatever they needed to do between the twenties, and last, you know, and you want to go back to that Penn State game last year. Iowa gave up six hundred yards and only gave up twenty one points. They inevitably lost, but people were like, "Well, we only gave up twenty one points to Penn State." Like you can't have it
0: both ways. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we're on the same page there and. Like the indication is there that Brian is figuring this out but ultimately it comes down to putting points on the scoreboard that's what it comes down to and I don't know if we want to get into these stats that that Stoop accumulated and and go a little deeper but uh, maybe this is the time to do it Um, yeah let's do it so uh, Stoops um, Stoops my ass put together uh, something on Twitter about uh, kind of Iowa's offense, and they are two and six when they score less than twenty points in the last two years. And in
1: eight, the Big no, Ten, in, uh, in in the con- oh, this is just in general.
0: Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I have overall. Uh, okay, I, overall. I
1: just saw. Uh, I just have his conference once.
0: Yeah. So what's the conference?
1: Uh, so when Iowa scores nineteen points or less in conference play. They they've done it seven times. They've scored nineteen or less points, and they average twelve and a half yards per, uh, or twelve and uh, here I go again, twelve and a half points per game in those games. Uh, offensively, that's the caveat. is offensively. This is how much they average, and I think that they're one in six in those games. I did not write down that part of the equation. I believe that they are one in six when, uh, they score less than twenty. Yep. They've scored 20 or more in three games, and in those three games they averaged 47.3 points per game. An obscene number. But, and, they're th- and obviously they're 3-0 in those three games against Ohio State, against Nebraska, and against uh, Illinois last year. Not Besides Ohio State, not exactly uh, world beaters. But, you know, it's you know, people are t- not even just people. It's just you know, everybody really hangs their hat on that Ohio State win on destroying Nebraska, and those are great wins. Those wins make me incredibly happy to think about. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're one in six when they don't drop a hundred points on the opposite team. You know, when it's a cl- and when it's a close game, for some reason they haven't succeeded underneath under Brian Ferentz which is weird because we you know there's this perception that Iowa if when they bring other teams down into the mud with them they will win. And it just really hasn't been the case at least in 2017 and yesterday was I mean they didn't bring Wisconsin down into the mud with them because Wisconsin lives in the mud as well but you know it it really hasn't been the case under Brian Fairness for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, and it really isn't the case period. Um, uh, but but the thing that that I went ahead and did is I went back to two thousand seven. So what that gets you is five years of Ken O'Keefe, five years of Greg Davis, and the two years so far, one point three repetent years of Brian James. <laughs> and what what we see is um oh I do have did I mess one up I think I might have missed one, but anyways. Iowa's played 17 games under Brian Ferentz, and they have. No, they have at least eight games where they have scored less than 20 points, and eight games where they have scored more than 20 points. I can't find that 17th game. I miscounted. Uh, you got but, the bowl in there. Uh, I think it would make it seven and zero. So it would make Iowa is nine and zero, scoring more than 20, and two and six scoring less than 20 under Brian ferentz on offense on or offense. is this just in general
1: just in general
0: in general okay. um so 25% winning percentage versus 100% winning percentage but you're doing this in a coin flip you're basically a coin flip about it's going to be under 20 or over 20 you look to Greg Davis and he scored under 20 points 22 times over 20 points 43 times So roughly 2-1 to in terms of offensive output over 20 points. And his winning percentage, 72% over 20, 36% under 20. So really kind of what this shows me is he's able to win those calls on the margin, make those play calls on the margin, whether it's in the red zone where opportunities are scarce or in the fourth quarter of closing out games. Like he can do that, and it, and granted it's 10%, so it's like one game a year or two, but it makes a difference. You're only playing 12 games, one game makes a difference.
1: Yeah. Ken it's O'Keefe. Per- particularly when 8-4 and four seems to be the average.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: So if it's between 9-3, and 7-5, and five, whatever the case may be.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and the difference with Ken O'Keefe, basically the same numbers, 35% win percentage under And he's got 23 games under 20 points, uh, and he has 41 games over 20 points with an 80% win percentage. So really, that 20-point number is the number, and as it stands now, Brian Ferentz is not hitting the clip of past uh, Iowa offensive coordinators in terms of getting to 20 points. Um, and to me that puts undue strain on your defense we saw it a couple times last year Penn State game you mentioned Wisconsin game's a good one um, they had a chance there but it, the, the way Iowa is balance on offense balance between offense and defense you need to get to 20 points because you need to spend that time getting to 20 points as much as anything yeah. um, so it's just jury's still out
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, obviously we're not saying that we need to fire Brian Ferentz's exact
0: moment. No, but everything it, that we've seen with past Kirk Ferentz teams is happening again. It's happening more often. We need to keep an eye on it because, in my view, there it's just his goal is to be the Iowa head coach. He yeah, needs to be better as Iowa offensive coordinator in terms of scoring points. I don't care what... The offense looks like it's nice that there are some wrinkles, more wrinkles than in the past. But it's about putting points on the scoreboard.
1: No, 100%. I don't care if Iowa runs a spread offense, four wide receivers. I don't care if they're the Chip Kelly, Oregon Ducks. I don't care if they're, you know, the 1999 Iowa Hawkeyes. Okay, okay, that's a,
0: that's a stretch, Max.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, offensively, you know, like, yep. scheme-wise, I'm not, you know... I don't care, you know, which version they are of anything. They could run the triple option. I do not care. As long as they put points on the board, at least enough to, you know, hold, hold other teams. Uh... The, the defense is going to do what the defense does. It's an Iowa defense. It's generally pretty stout, usually one of the top in the country at yielding points. You know, if the offense just needs to do its part, and underneath fairness so far, it hasn't. Underneath Brian Ferentz, it hasn't. You know, something Something has to be changed. It, I don't know what it is. I'm not... I've never played football, like, at a, you know, any elite level, you know. I'm, you know, I've never coached football. But, like, something has to be figured out because what's going on right now really isn't cutting it.
0: They left 11 points on the board. That's really kind of what it comes down to for me. By, BYU yeah. had four chances to score, and they got 24 points. That's about as good as you're going to do. Iowa had two more. They left 11 on the board. They could be sitting here with 28 points. Um, and that's a winning number against Wisconsin. Yeah, it
1: is. Wisconsin put up 28, and that includes that final FU touchdown.
0: Yeah. So enough about the bat of the offense. <laughs> uh, oh, let's let's tw- get into... A, cool, th- a cool 25 minutes in. What else didn't you like, Max? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got to talk about the special teams. Yeah. Um, And this will be a lot shorter. There isn't a whole lot more to say about it, but the special teams. And I know that when I texted you last night, you said, don't bring it up. The special teams are as worse uh, are as bad as I've seen them since 2012, when they blew those late games because of special teams miscues. And I don't need to talk about 2012 anymore, except for to say that was Lester herbs last year in Iowa city. And he was the special teams coordinator. I'm not saying that this is. I'm definitely not saying that this is going to be Levar Woods last year in Iowa City. I'm just saying that this is as bad as I've seen them since somebody's last year before they were before they, you know, left, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, and, and really, uh, I I do agree. I think it does come down to coaching, um, because what happened to Sean Beyer... I inexcusable. It's inexcusable, but there is plenty of blame to go around on that. I, sure. I I never understand, and this is not exclusive to Iowa. I do not understand why when a ball is on the ground as a punt return unit, people flock to the ball. Why is it a mosquito lamp? Because only bad things are going to happen if you're on the return team running towards a ball on the ground. Only bad things happen. Why does that happen? I just don't get it. And, and to your point, I, I have not been in those special teams meetings I know it's not going to be fun for them this week Mm -mm. but I I just don't know I just don't know I I, you know and and to your point it's almost like it being under one roof um one throat to choke as they say uh I heard that this week at work and uh had to use it here (laughs) but it's like LeVar Woods he had this promotion opportunity right He's a great
1: coach. He's a he's a good coach. He's done very well at the other positions. He was tight ends before and tight ends are tight ends at Iowa. Like he's done well.
0: And he and he had this role without the title for most of last year. It's yeah. just it's frustrating that that happened because I I hate I really do. I hate seeing that happen to players because these are kids. They're 20, 21 years old. This isn't the only thing on their mind. They're not getting paid to do this, but they're going to school, but that's why there are people getting paid so that they can tell them not to do this stuff. It's, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it anymore because I, I think it's more an indictment on coaching than on execution. That's always my, my default is, if they're not executing why aren't they executing let's root cause analysis this instead of just saying oh that they're kids that can't execute there's there are other reasons i just it sucks to see happen and wisconsin had four plays of 20 yards or more and what happened <laughs> on special teams was the equivalent of two more 20-yard plays that yeah. one that was fielded at the 10 that was a 37-yard play. That was the biggest play that they had all, all game. And it completely flipped the dynamic. Um, because I, I think it was a 3-and-out that they had, um, or a 6-and-out. But, yeah, turnovers. Turnovers will kill you. And, and that's what happened in this series the last few years, is turnovers by the better team have allowed the worst team to stay in the game. For longer than they should have, and yeah. in 2015, Iowa was on the right side of that. You know, they 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 forced some turnovers, no doubt. Um, 2016, Desmond they King won forced that. eight of them. Yep, Desmond <laughs> King had uh uh, or excuse me, in 2016, it was an ugly game, but Wisconsin let Iowa hang around. They had a chance in theory at the end. And 2017, Josh Jackson he put the only points on the board. They were up or within three points in the third quarter. People forget that. Um, so, you can't let a team worse than you hang around via turnovers. And that's why this game is so frustrating.
1: Yeah. And just to wrap up special teams from my end, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was coaching, but I also think that after uh, Gronowig fumbled that ball on that return, I do think that he did get the yips a little bit. That. Fair catch at their three-yard line was bad, but I think they, at that point he was just like, I'm just going to catch the ball. I'm going to fair catch it, you know, with, and completely forgot where he was on the field. And then after that, you got it, you know, I don't know if, if he was yelling or anything. You couldn't pick it up on, you know, the camera mics if, or, you know, the field mics if it was being yelled, but did not sound like anything was being yelled to let Bayer or anybody else know that, or to get away from the ball. And a lot of players kept getting closer to the ball, and they realized afterwards, they're like, ah, well, I'm going to run. And then it still looked like nobody was yelling anything because Bayer was standing there blocking the entire way to the ball. You know, I think it was a little bit of both coaching because, you know, that's that's something that you got to get coached. Maybe they were coached and, you know, it just completely, maybe it just completely slipped their minds. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't there, you know, on the field, in the, in the coaching room, whatever.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so so I think we probably didn't exhaust that. But uh, to to your point, I'm not sure it necessarily needs exhausting. No. Um, then then kind of the the only concern I had defensively was just um, I finally started getting concerned about uh not enough Epinesa uh on the field. Um, I, I feel like during that last drive the go-ahead drive, excuse me, I felt like he should have been on the field that whole time. Um, Yeah, because you know they're passing. You you know for the most part they're passing, and uh, I I just don't know why he wasn't on there every single play. And and to that point, um, I I also don't know why they never once brought pressure Um, because Hornibrook had all the time in the world – every single play of that drive and it was it was frustrating it was honestly if we're going back into the kirk parents lexicon it was more frustrating than that drive against michigan state because that was a situation where every freaking inch was earned by michigan state yeah and it just didn't feel similar it felt like what is happening here um And I don't think the time of possession was really all that skewed one way or the other, Um, so I don't really think that had anything to do with with it. It was just frustrating to see um, Iowa never really uh, force it, force their hand on that drive. No, I, uh,
1: I wholeheartedly agree, but that last drive also gave me some concern for the secondary, because when Iowa generated no pass rush, those receivers were open.
0: That's that's a great point, point, um, and, and that's some, certainly something to uh, worry about in the future. Uh, yeah, something I, to look think, for,
1: at least. I don't know if I'm worried yet, but they, yeah. Mm. I
0: mean, and to Wisconsin's credit, they are just about the best line in the country. They played like sure. it this week. Um, Iowa probably isn't going to go up against uh, many other lines like that. Maybe Penn State. That would be no, the Penn other State's,
1: one. Uh, Penn State's a turnstile.
0: Oh, they are okay, it, so they're not very good at
1: least from what I've seen so far.
0: Hopefully they don't figure out figure it out quite yet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's a good point because the the way that the two units interact um, is important. Uh, and the fact that Iowa couldn't pressure them, it made the throws easy, both because they were clean and also it allowed their receivers to get open.
1: Yeah, it sure did. so that's definitely something to look forward moving ahead. Um. let's move to the positives I think that we've talked enough trash we've you know called enough people out and questioned enough decisions so you start first give me something positive that you saw Saturday against the Badgers
0: uh, so really the thing and I know it's talking out of both sides of my mouth but like, like I alluded to the yards that is normally a winning number um, getting yeah. to 400 yards normally that means Iowa's putting points on the board. Um, went back since 2075 wins when Iowa gets more than 400 yards and 16 losses. So you know, pretty good. Pretty good. You take those odds um, with whatever kind of filter you want to. Um, and, and with that in mind, um, it was their most yards against Wisconsin since two- 2014. Uh, when they had 412, which I think is kind of a, a misdirection because they were playing behind in that game for most of yeah. it. Um, But still, 400 yards then. But before that, you have to go back to 2002. So Wisconsin and Iowa really haven't been in many games like this. Um, wow. and, and it really kind of shows just how great that 2010 game was because there really weren't many yards to be had, but they were um, scoring a lot. Uh. And then the other thing, I thought that was Iowa's best offensive line performance of the season, and what is indicative of that, to me, is the yards per carry, Um, 4.8 yards per carry, and that's the most since 2008, when our beloved Sean Green uh, was running behind an Iowa offensive line, when he had 7.5 yards per carry. So, two winning numbers, it sucks that Iowa came out on the other end of uh the game but offensively this is why there's you know we we ran ourselves up to the ledge this is the talking down of it we're seeing stuff that we haven't necessarily seen from Iowa uh in the past against Wisconsin um but we need to see it on the scoreboard
1: yeah um yeah, and I I completely agree with the you know with the running game at least the running game was mostly spectacular. Uh, Kelly Martin ran 14 times for 72 yards. That's 5.1 yards per carry. Young six for 34. I don't know why they didn't utilize him more because he was eaten on the ground. 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, yeah, so you know 20 times for 106 yards between those two. That's I would take that any day. You know, and to your point earlier, they should have probably run the ball a little bit more like that, because Wisconsin was having a very difficult time stopping those two uh, those two fellows. And uh, something else I wanted to bring up was Nate Stanley. Like you know, he, we talked about how his fourth quarter wasn't very good, but in the third quarter, at one point, I looked up his statistics because I in the third quarter I did not feel like Wisconsin could stop him either towards the end of that he was 11 of 14 for 201 yards and two touchdowns at one point ended 14 of 23 256 two touchdowns that final pick but you know that's still pretty good you know if you would have told me before the game that he would have been 14 of 23 for over 250 and two touchdowns i would have thought Iowa would have won
0: yeah yeah um i think that's almost the perfect stat line for him um right at 60%. Uh, I mean, the the yards are really remarkable given that, to see 11.1 yards per attempt. Uh, you know, I, I pondered last night, hopefully Iowa isn't filling two tight end spots this time next year because Hawkinson showed a ton, I feel like, last night, just in terms of um, his route running, getting open, coming down with contested balls. He only had three catches, um, but they, they were three freaking important catches. So um, I, I think that you know there's a lot to like um, from the passing offense and to it just it, it stinks that it you know it executes sometimes and it doesn't execute others. I you know that's just the way it is right. But uh, I think you're seeing a lot of what um, Stanley brings to the table, the easily completion like I think that's something that you know he saw he went to. The Brady Ross catch that was you know that was a great bit of play calling um, those two plays where he went to Ross and then uh, Fant's second touchdown and really the thing I loved even though it ended up about as bad as it could have was that final pick to um, Smith marset you know he saw the read he knew that heat was coming and he got the ball out quickly to Smith um, it it was. A completely fire pass, rocket. Um, Yeah, uh, you really can't do that. He's gonna have to learn how to get the ball out quicker without throwing it that hard. Um, But he made the right read. He went there. Um, He might have even checked into it. So uh, there's a lot to like from this guy. It just, it's. I just feel bad that he couldn't get one um, because it felt like Iowa was the more talented team, but that's how it goes sometimes. You know.
1: Yeah, uh, that is certainly how it goes. Uh, and then, you brought this up before we started. They got the ball around to just about everybody, and that's a real promising thing that Stanley trusts all of his receivers, uh, like that. Yeah. You know, Hawkinson three catches, Ism three, Fant three. Probably should have had about a dozen, but well, that's beside the point. Brandon Smith too easily won. Ross, Ivory Martin both won. Uh I'm seeing that Mackay Sargent had zero receptions for one yard, and Nate Stanley had zero receptions for negative thirteen yards. I uh,
0: <laughs> I think that's what Magic. happens on that <laughs> that last play. <laughs> they actually attribute all of the passing yardage to each uh, player, uh or receiving yardage. So yeah. Wild statistics <laughs> there from uh that circus show at the end
1: yeah i forgot about those uh (laughs) but um yeah i know so i liked i liked seeing them you know move the ball around i liked them you know kind of keep you kept wisconsin on their toes uh you know wisconsin couldn't just key in on one particular player they couldn't key in on fant uh ism hawkinson No. For better or for worse, I guess, because we are still talking about how maybe Fant and Hawkinson should have had more targets.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, another positive... Um, Ooh, we're,
1: we're, we're pretty happy people now.
0: Yeah. Uh. One penalty, <laughs> five yards. I mean, that, that yeah. that's something that we, we've said it before regarding turnovers. You can't shoot yourself in the foot against Wisconsin. And really... um. They didn't on offense or defense. Um, I think that's a, a pretty, pretty impressive thing. Um, certainly something that, as I kind of go through this box score, it was something that we didn't have on the docket, but um, very impressive to see that number.
1: Yeah, you were you said earlier that Ayo needs to stay on schedule in order to be successful on offense, and not committing penalties is exactly how you do that. And last, it's a real promising thing after last week against UNI, because against UNI they. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many, but it felt as though there were some pretty costly penalties that were, you know, kind of mixed in there.
0: Yeah, and th- those are things that you can overcome against lesser competition. Um, but it's a step up. Um, you know, it, it, it's... it's uh, They showed a lot. Um, it just stinks that they couldn't come through. Because I feel, I feel bad for them because... It it was a winning performance outside of maybe a handful of plays, um, but that's just how it goes. And, and and I I I I think there is a lot of good to take from it. It's just against teams like Wisconsin, I've said it a dozen times. It feels like you need to be perfect, and yeah. and uh, they just weren't.
1: Yep, they sure weren't. All right, one more thing. I'm going to switch to the opposite side of the ball real quick for one positive. Yes. Amani Hooker.
0: Oh, my goodness. Huge plays in this
1: game. You know, he had, uh, I believe he had one big tackle. uh, I think he had a tackle for loss that was pretty big. I don't recall for sure. Definitely broke up a pass that was going to be caught by, uh, I forget even who at this point, but he got in there late, hit the guy as he was catching it, jarred it loose. You know, huge play by Hooker, um, and he was great. You know, he was the one defensive player uh, besides Epinesa that I, like, really noticed on the field in a positive way.
0: Well, when Stone was on there... Um,
1: Stone had a good play early in he, the game, he, too. He had
0: a good early play. He kept Iowa. Um, you know, he kept it close, kept it that single-touchdown game with uh, that pass breakup. Um, I, I think the the ball-hawking skills, or at least the, the reaction skills, are there um, for some of these guys um especially like you said Hooker and um and Stone. I I really like the the safeties Iowa's got.
1: Yeah, no. 100% And Gervas Gervace uh Gervas. Uh he wasn't bad either. I didn't notice him. That's exactly what you want from your uh from your safeties, I think. Uh unless they're making huge plays.
0: Yeah, I mean that this is kind of the conversation we had about Nick and Eamon last last week and it feels like that's kind of just how it is, is if you're not hearing uh, anyone's name called on defense, it's uh, normally a good thing and not a bad thing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, I think defensively Iowa did what they needed to do. You know, on the flip side, you know, they bend it and break, um, put out a couple fires. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm going to – I, I hate it because I, I normally flush these games pretty well, um but I'm gonna be thinking about this one for a while because just the yeah. way it, it sets Iowa up for big ten season um yeah it's let's frustrating. Get into that. it's frustrating because um uh, iPad got taken away from me. I have a computer i guess but Ooh. um i got I
1: got some stuff what are we what are we looking for Someone yeah, I'll so basically
0: the schedule as it sets up. With Iowa and Wisconsin, both on the bye week. And I'm going off memory, so correct me if I'm wrong anywhere. Um, But really, they have almost identical schedules. Um, Pretty much. The wash is between Maryland, Indiana for Iowa, and um, Michigan, Michigan, Rutgers for Wisconsin. And the thing there is what Iowa needs to do is basically have a perfect schedule against essentially the same schedule as Wisconsin and because Wisconsin, they both yeah. play out play at state college so I was gonna need to go in there I think they play after or maybe they play before Wisconsin's
1: Wisconsin. the 10th of November Iowa October 27th
0: okay so that doesn't that doesn't work out like I thought it might um, but they need to play the exact same schedule and be perfect. Mm-hmm. And really, to me, that's what was lost with last night. Io can still have a really good season. They can still win the division. They can still win the division. Tactically. Technically. Mathematically possible. but <laughs> After one game. And after one uh, game. And there's nine more? Big of true, man. <laughs> uh, but it's just frustrating because, you know, the, the margin for error is gone. Um, if this team had hopes of getting any further, I think this has probably sealed it. For in that regard for getting the playoff. Um, but to me, that's really kind of the big thing is just the margin for error is gone. Um, and the plus side is that this isn't as good of a Wisconsin team as possible. Yeah. As in the past, recent past, I would say they're the worst team I've played since that 2014 game, I would say. Um, but the margin for error is gone, and it, the, the easiest way to – build that edge is by beating them and they couldn't do it and that's you know they're, they're a championship football team they've they've won them in the past four or five years if not a little longer um and it's it's just frustrating like that to to me that's why this game stings so much is just the the opportunity is just gone um so
1: it's it's not necessarily gone, but it's uh, it's, it's not in uh, Iowa's hands anymore. Yeah, it's uh, we no longer control our own destiny. You know, Iowa they need to win out. There's really no other way to say it because looking at this Wisconsin schedule, even though Wisconsin isn't the team that we thought they might be, you know, a few weeks ago, they probably don't have three losses or two losses on there. You know, or not two. They probably they have they had. Penn State, at Penn State, at the big house. Those, if they're going to lose two, those are the probable two.
0: Yeah, and Iowa can't lose another one, to your point. They they can't be tied with Wisconsin uh, uh, based on tiebreakers because Wisconsin beat Iowa, obviously.
1: Right, and if Iowa were to lose one more, I don't see the third loss on Wisconsin's schedule. They host Nebraska, Illinois, and Rutgers, and Minnesota. And they just straight-up don't lose to Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've, we've joked in the past about how this feels like a, a big brother, little brother rivalry at the moment. Not compared to Wisconsin-Minnesota, so there's, there's you know, another we're, positive.
1: We're at least competitive there, and they respect that, uh, from what I've gathered uh, talking to some Wisconsin fans. But, I mean, the only losses that they have maybe on the schedule, they travel to Evanston. Uh, at while, Purdue. And they traveled to Purdue. You know, besides Penn State and Michigan, those are the two games that I could potentially see the Badgers losing. However, But they're Iowa, also
0: game they're also games that Iowa has to play too. Yeah, <laughs> and Iowa, we know how we know their history against those two teams.
1: Yeah, Iowa hosts those two teams this year. Um, correct?
0: Uh no, they're at Purdue. Um, they're at
1: Purdue. Yeah, you are you are right.
0: And I for some reason I feel like they're at
1: Northwestern. No, they were at Northwestern last year.
0: Okay. So, oh, you're right. So I was is, I was
1: there, unfortunately enough.
0: Ah, uh, beautiful. Yeah, that high school It's at stadium. Indiana that they're at. So yep, that's good. Um, so yeah, it's just this is really kind of the the point that Ben really made all offseason is if you're a championship team, you win these championship type games, and they didn't. And it just, uh, it's yeah, that's wh- that's why I'm deflated. It's just like there's a they just the the opportunity isn't in Iowa's hands anymore. Um, but we s- saw w- the type of team they can be for flashes last night. Um, but it didn't last long enough. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, they sure didn't. Um, all right. So before we end this conversation. Just to ask, so, moving forward, what do you think Iowa does? What do you, what do you, right now, I know that we're both in a little bit, we're, we're, in, we're in the sunken place a little bit right now, but where do you think that the Hawkeyes end up at the end of the season after that loss? Because I know that a week ago, we were saying 10 wins or bust.
0: I, yeah. I still think 10 wins or bust is the right way to look at it, um... Because you know you look at ten wins and it's like okay, so if they're gonna win ten games, that means they're gonna lose two. Penn State's the one you chalk up to being a loss, and Wisconsin's yes. the one you chalk up to being. That's a what loss. you would
1: assume, probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, it's really, <laughs> it's really you're on, you're still on schedule for that. Um, so so I I would think um, I, I still think that y- you look at the team that I will put out there against Wisconsin. Um, and, and that's a 10-win team to to me with this schedule. Um, you know, Purdue showed some stuff. Uh, Indiana has shown a little bit. Maryland seems a little more abundant. Nebraska, if we want to talk about them for uh five <laughs> minutes and they're deep with uh, um, Wendy's pun intended. Uh, we can go ahead and uh, do that. But uh, there's still you know s- what seven more wins on this on the schedule for Iowa. So go out and I- get them.
1: Yeah, I mean there are seven winnable. There are there are eight winnable games. Penn State was losing to the Illini in the third quarter. They ended up winning by about thirty nine, I think it was. But they were losing to Illinois, in the third quarter. So you know, it's they haven't been world beaters this year so far. They almost lost to Appalachian State.
0: Yeah, yeah. Iowa can. they they can do that. They can go into state college and, and win, but they've they've not been good against penn state lately um th- that's maybe putting things a little bit lightly uh especially considering 2 years ago um mm. so uh ho- hopefully they still remember that uh i i i i still think though that this can be a really good year and like you said we're a little bit in the sunken place um but they can rebound i, I- I trust them to not take this loss too hard. That is just Kirk's nature. Um, so hopefully they're able to go out there and uh, give PJ Fleck a, uh, a figurative, maybe literal wedgie. Uh, you never know. <laughs> Brian's uh, on the field this year. So uh, it just kind of stinks that that game's two weeks away.
1: Yeah. it's It'll be a long two weeks for sure after this one. Uh so yeah um honestly, after talking about it, I feel a little bit better,
0: yeah, I definitely feel better um- like you said, it was a therapy session uh at fifty five minutes our, our hour's about to run out, so uh don't want don't want to have to pay a little more for for that uh doctor brecky um but uh yeah I, I feel better um i i do I do still think that there's a good season to be had um it's just, it just, it stinks last night. It just does.
1: Yeah, it sure does. All right, so I will leave us with one more note. I just got a notification from Twitter. Somebody tweeted at us um, about our uh, post-game article, and they sent me three straight tweets, but one of them said, there were some poor plays, but special teams coach Chris White needs to find a new job after that game.
0: Yeah, Chris White, find a new job.
1: <laughs> I just saw that when, when I was getting uh, back on the iPad so I could look up the, that schedule, and I found that absolutely funny. I hope that he listens to this, because <laughs> uh, LeVar Woods is the special teams coach, bud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so on that note, for Harrison Star, I'm Max Brackey. Go Hawks.
0: Go Hawks in two weeks. <laughs>